Welcome to Blue Shift, brought to you from NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center. I'm Maggie Massetti. We're taking a break from our podcast hiatus to bring you a very special episode. We had an astronomy and physics undergrad, Jasmine Evans, visit us from the UK to learn more about what we do here at NASA Goddard. We had a cupcake birthday party for Nobel laureate and James Webb Space Telescope senior project scientist, John Mather, and while we chatted and tried not to get chocolate all over our faces, he answered some questions for Jasmine about why this is such an exciting time for STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, and the best way to encourage students to pursue it. The thing he said that resonated with me the most was this, that a lot of people imagine others are more talented than them, so then what's the point? But his view is the opposite. If you're interested in something, why not try to go further than you are? On that note, I'm going to let Jasmine take it away. During my week at Goddard, I was lucky enough to meet John Mather, Senior Project Scientist with James Webb Space Telescope and Nobel Laureate. I asked him about his background in science, his advice to young people, and his hopes for the JWST project. Everyone has a science story of how they came to be interested in the subject. For me, it was a physics teacher who made the universe seem like a playground of unanswered questions. I asked John what it was that really made him sure science was for him. I think I was in third or fourth grade, and uh, my parents had taken me down to the big museum in New York City, where the planetarium show is, and uh, the bones displayed, so you can see evolution displayed right in front of your eyes. And uh, and the dinosaurs are enormous and enchanting for a kid, and stories about volcanoes, and I've I read about a volcano that just came out of a cornfield in Mexico about 1940 or something like that. And so I thought, well, this is uh, this earth science, this is all fascinating stuff. And um, my parents actually read out loud from biographies of Darwin and Galileo to me and my little sister when I was about eight or nine. So this is pretty amazing. A person could actually work on this. My dad was a scientist, but he was studying dairy cows. And I thought, well, I'm not very interested in these big cows, but somehow I got into reading every book on science that there was to read in my public library. The public library came around to the farm every couple of weeks in a truck. So I'd go down every couple of weeks and see what books do they have about science, and I just read what they had. So that's how I spent my grade school, is reading books and uh, messing around in the, in the basement uh, with uh, hammers and nails and things to fool with. Then uh, Sputnik went up. In uh, 1957, I was in uh, 11 years old, just about the time you got ex- interested in things. Suddenly, uh, everybody was supposed to save us from the Soviet Union. Scientists and engineers would do that, and uh, there were a lot of opportunities suddenly opened up. And there were summer camps for kids that were interested in science, and by the time I got to high school, uh, there were college courses for kids who wanted to do science and math. So I did. I, my parents somehow found out about these things, and I got to go. And I have no idea, because I was just a kid. I had no idea that I could actually hunt for stuff like that. And now I'm thinking, well, now I know the whole world is connected. Uh, and it, if you want something, you just have to go look for it. In those days, oh, was the rest of the world was infinitely far away. We never made long-distance phone calls. Mm-hmm. We never drove anywhere except to the grocery. And every year or two, we might go to New York. Uh, and that was a big, scary place. So anyway, I spent my childhood uh, reading books and thinking about astronomy. I got lenses and cardboard tubes and made telescopes and all that stuff. It's interesting to try to Im- remember and imagine what it was like, because it was so different from today. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I'm glad you're in it, I'm, and mm-hmm. I bet your stories are just as interesting and different. <laughs> I asked John what he would say to students who are thinking of pursuing a STEM career but aren't really sure what direction to take. 
Well, yeah. I think they should have a shot at it because it's exciting um, to be a participant. And there, you never know how far you're going to get. Yeah. Like you said uh, yourself that uh, you didn't catch on to math until you were last year or something. And suddenly it's fun and interesting and, and, you're, and you might actually be good at it after all. A lot of people are sort of buffaloed by the competition. I don't know if you use that word buffaloed in Britain, but anyway, it means intimidating. Um, uh, so a lot of people are imagining that somebody else is talented and I'm not, so they're not going to try. But my view is sort of the opposite. It's like uh, if you really, really want something, you can probably get a lot farther than you are. And I'm never going to play tennis like Roger Federer, but I could play tennis more than I do. Um, and so... Um, there's just so many different careers in STEM. I think it's one of the most exciting and interesting things people could possibly be working on, in just in itself. Um, and then uh, there are different roles for different people. Some people want to go swim with the dolphins, and other people want to build submarines and go to the bottom of the ocean, and other people want to fly, and other people want to make a microscope that sees inside the cell, and, or make something that sees inside the human brain. And it's just... To me, this is like the most exciting time ever in science. So if a person wasn't interested in that, I think they're dead. But <laughs> um, So anyway, I don't know if your question was hypothetical or not, but uh, anyway, I think it's a really good time to be a science person or an engineering person because you can build anything now too. Mm -hmm. um, I heard a person uh, give a public lecture where he said, uh, if you can imagine it, you can build it. It wasn't so a little while back. It used to be, well, no, you can imagine it, but there's no way to build that. Now you can even put things together atom by atom. Pick an atom up, move it over, and put it over there. Pretty shocking, huh? Maybe you'll get to design the robot that takes a uh, design for a human being uh, and sends it out to the next star and says, uh, when you get there, put me together. Yep. I don't know. It's unlikely. But it's a little scary. It's a little scary, but uh, it's awesome. Though. It's, it's awesome. There, there are so many things that are happening so quickly. I think like three D printing, especially like there's all kinds of techniques now that literally just happened, and you can do all kinds of things you couldn't before. It's amazing. Yeah. And next year you'll be able to do even more. Yeah. Because they're like surgical parts, and like yeah. you, you know, three D print an organ, and yeah, it's, it's happening amazing. now as we speak. Yeah. And so much is possible because of the internet and the communications we now have that. Collaborations. Uh, High school students can do what uh, the best research lab in the world couldn't do 50 years ago. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. So, genetic engineering, you want to try some? <laughs> do that. So, from your school, you can, uh, con you can continue on and complete your degree in some area of science, physics, math, astronomy, uh, astrobiology, chemistry, whatever it is that... I tell people not to necessarily plan too far ahead mm -hmm. because uh, you'll find somebody that's really exciting as you did with this physics teacher and suddenly you say, oh, that's really what I want to do. And, uh, and they'll be in touch with the most exciting stuff to do right now. And if you try to figure out what's exciting by going to the library, you can't find out because it hasn't been written up yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I listen to podcasts about the latest stuff. I walk around and I listen and think about the marvels of science every day. I asked John what he was most looking forward to about James Webb being in operation and what kind of discoveries we can expect to see. Well, I guess the thing that matters the most is it works. <laughs> As to uh, the most amazing science that might come out, uh, 
I'm guessing, I'm just guessing at what we might find, but I can imagine that there's some kind of galaxy out there that nobody has ever seen before. Some people are predicting that they might have existed. This would be a kind of galaxy that happened early in the universe and then they all disappeared, hmm. like they were all swallowed up by something bigger. Uh, so um, there's some evidence that this happened. Hmm. Um, but nobody's ever seen them directly. So maybe we'll see them. Could happen. That's cool. Everything about planets, exoplanets, has been a total surprise. The people that predict stuff just have missed everything. So we just don't have nearly enough imagination to know uh, what nature is going to do when it can. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, that's actually one of the interesting lessons of astronomy, is that nature is unstable and will spontaneously produce structures uh, limited only by, well, not limited by what we can imagine, anyway, and it's uh, thermodynamically likely to produce complicated stuff. <laughs> so you probably read about uh, Occam's razor as a, as a way for t understanding good explanations for things. But it uh, is misleading if people think that it means nature will be simple. Nature is spontaneously complex. And the reason is pretty fundamental. It's, the universe starts off in a low entropy state at the early universe, and it it expands and um, creates entropy um, by, by gravitation pulling stuff together. So gravitation um, produces something called negative specific heat. So that means everything's unstable. It means uh, gravitation pulls stars together and heat is released. So where did that come from? Well, we turned uh, gravitational energy into heat energy. And uh, so it's a self-heating object. Well, in, uh, in physics class, they don't tell you about self-heating objects. There are no such things. You've got uh, the law of thermodynamics that says if something is warmer and something is colder, you bring them together, they just come out to uh, something in the middle. So it's not like that in astronomy. And so because it's not like that in astronomy, it's not like that in anything else either because the Earth is not an equilibrium situation. We've got sunshine coming in from over there and going out over there. So that sustains life. It's hot on the inside and cold on the outside, so we've got convection inside the Earth. So there's nothing stable, and so it's spontaneously complex, and that's, we just can't imagine how complex it really is. So that makes it, it's always exciting. I always like uh, one of the answers you gave that one of the great things that will come out of JWST is that the new questions that we don't even know how to ask yeah. right now, that Hubble brought up all these things we didn't know how to ask, and we're building JWST to answer a certain set of questions, but it's going to create more questions mm -hmm. that... Yeah. And the reason that it always works for astronomy is that nature is complex by, by nature. Mm -hmm. And so whatever you find, it's going to be more complicated than you ever imagined. <laughs> I was really grateful for John to take the time out to talk to me, and to the Blue Shift team for having me along. This is Jasmine Evans, British Blue Shift correspondent, signing off. Thank you for your report, Jasmine. It was a total delight for us at Blue Shift to show Jasmine around Goddard, and we know she has a bright future ahead of her. We hope John's words to her are as inspirational to you all as they were to us. That's it for this time. Be sure to check out our blog at universe.nasa.gov slash blueshift for a picture associated with this podcast. You'll also find all of our previous podcasts and blogs there. We're on Twitter and Facebook as NASA Blue Shift, that's all one word. Tell us what you'd like to hear about there or through our website feedback form. I'm Maggie Massetti, bringing the universe closer to you with Blue Shift.